This is episode 501 of the AWS podcast, released on January 23, 2022. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lee here with you. Great to have you back. And I'm joined by not one, but not two, but three very special guests to talk about something pretty interesting today. We're going to talk about dynamic configuration and how you can go beyond just CI/CD. And to do this, I'm joined by three very great guests. Firstly, I'm joined by Steve Rice, who's Principal Product Manager for AWS App Config. G'day, Steve. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming on board. I'm also joined by Vinny Satija, who's a product manager on the AWS App Config team. G'day, Vinny. How you doing? Hey, Simon. Great to be here. Good to have you here. And finally, Brian Handy, who's a software development engineer on the team. He cuts the code as well as many other things. G'day, Brian. How you doing? Good. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Now, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff in a short period of time. That's why I've got three John Almost brains joining me today. Let's start with the basic question. And Brian, I'll throw it to you. What is dynamic configuration and continuous configuration? Well, now I'm a little scared after you just said ginormous <laughs> brain, but I'll I'll do my best. Um, so at its most basic level, let's uh, I'll do my best impression of someone talking about what the problem is. Uh, so in just about any application, you'll have some sort of configuration information. Very commonly, we see this as something like feature flags or an allow listing configuration, but it could be throttling. It could be how many threads you use to pull an SQS queue. It could be just about anything. The problem is, how do you deploy this configuration to your application? The way most teams do this today is they manage that configuration in their code and they deploy it through whatever means they have for deploying their code. Now, this is awesome because in the software industry, we've gotten really good at deploying code, but there are a few drawbacks. The biggest one is that it's slow and it's hard to coordinate. So for example, If you have a feature flag and you're trying to onboard so many customers a week to your new beta program, it becomes difficult to push out your code in a timely manner without a huge burden on your DevOps team. Or if you have a feature flag and you're trying to go into your private beta at 3 p.m. on a Friday, or you're trying to, you know, go GA at 3 p.m. on a Friday, you want to sync that up with some sort of press release, some sort of email campaign, Twitter message, whatever have you. That's kind of hard to do if you're trying to deploy your code to however many instances of your application you have worldwide. It's much easier to do if if you can deploy it separately from your code through configuration. And it's it's, it's interesting because as you're speaking, I'm thinking I'm thinking back to my old mainframe coding days. Yes, I'm that old. Um, and we used to have configuration as constants, uh, and we thought that was cool because you only had to change it in one place. Um, but you still had to recompile, redeploy. And and as you're speaking, I'm thinking about the fact that even though we can do continuous integration, continuous deployment, it's still a system rollout if, if you're tying your app configuration to your app deployment from a sort of com- compilation or system construction perspective, isn't it? You sort of haven't won anything yet. Yes, exactly. So not only does it have the same speed as a full system deployment, but it comes with any sort of the side effects that can happen with the system deployment. So mm-hmm. let's say you want to roll out your feature flag or your configuration value for your mainframe. There could be other issues that occur when you make that code deployment. And you have no way of disambiguating the errors that might occur from your configuration change versus your code change. And you end up 
hopefully rolling that back pretty easily, but then you have to figure out how to roll forward from there. So, so I guess one of the, the thought processes then is, okay, I've, I've got, if I'm going to use a separate uh, configuration process, you know, now I've got two processes, how do I, how do I make sure my configuration is, is safe and reliable versus just convenient? Yeah, and that's really the tricky part. And so internally, the opposite of storing your configuration in code, which is static, is what we call dynamic configuration. And what we're trying to pioneer as continuous configuration is the process of releasing updates to your dynamic configuration. So let's take an example. A very easy way to store and maintain dynamic configuration is just to put it all into a database. For instance, DynamoDB. So you could create a global table. You could put your configurations in there. You could access it from anywhere. It's awesome. It's easy. DynamoDB is a very powerful tool with a lot of features. Then you kind of run into the you know the superhero quote with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> the issue is that if you can make an update to your configuration globally in a matter of seconds, then you could also cause a problem globally in a matter of seconds. This and so true. it's very exactly. And so it's very difficult to try to figure out how to do that safely. And like usual for a lot of things our job as engineers is to try to provide the right features and the right guardrails to make it easy and automatic for people to do things safely and as well as possible. It sort of reminds me of the old maxim that, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to write the, the functional code for your application. It's all the error checking that takes 80% of the time. You know, the, the, the logic is the easy bit, but stopping yourself from, uh, from, from foot gunning is kind of the thing you've got to worry about. Uh, yeah, exactly. And the cool thing is that for deploying configuration, um, like kind of like how I said in the beginning, we figured out really cool ways of deploying code safely and easily. We can apply a lot of those same methodologies to deploying configuration. So if you look at a service like CodeDeploy, uh, who has developed a lot of safety precautions over the years, things like deploying gradually, things like monitoring alarms while you're deploying, things like enabling rollbacks easily. We can take all those same concepts and bring them to deploying configuration and then just separate configuration deployments from code deployments, but apply all the same safety practices. So how, how do I know, though, that like if, if I'm a developer, how do I build in that ability to, to accept those those continuous configuration changes and be selective on, on those as well? Um, well, like you said, it's uh, as a developer, it's kind of like the difference between getting to feature complete versus really functional, tested, what's the word I'm looking for, hardened code. Uh, you have to be very cognizant of that choice. It's very easy to either just put your configuration statically in your code, which is why a lot of people do it, is because it's very easy. Uh, it's also very easy to just put it in a database and then update it once. Uh, but you have to be cognizant of this problem and use the right tools to get you to the safe and dynamic solution. So, Vinny, let me come to you. What, where does this fit for customers? You know, obviously, you know, from a developer standpoint, I'm seeing anything. Well, this sounds, sounds interesting. But you know, interesting doesn't get us to approval. <laughs> so, so what are you seeing customers doing with this? Right. So we generally see both developers and DevOps professionals uh, using dynamic configuration. So some of the use cases for dynamic configurations that we've seen are cases where the deployments need to be fast, or they want to be they want to deploy that configuration uh, in real time. So uh, things like allow listing, for example. 
adding new users to an application or having a private beta where you only want selective users to access your application. Uh, one by one, if you want to allow list their email addresses or their account IDs, uh, you could do that as a part of a deployment within dynamic configurations and that take effect, takes effect in seconds. Similarly, for developers who are uh, releasing a new feature to their applications for their customers, uh, they want to do that gradually, but without being dependent on a code deployment and they can use feature flags for that. That's also a use case for dynamic configuration. So Vinny, you talked a bit about feature flags, but some folks might be familiar, some not. What are they and how do they work? So feature flag is a functionality which allows developers to modify system behavior without changing or deploying code. An example of this could be a software engineer hiding a feature behind a feature toggle and slowly releasing it to the intended audience. And in this case, you want that deployment to go gradually. So the application users could be in different parts of the world. Uh, you might want to release it to a certain part of the world, get some early feedback, incorporate that, and then probably release that feature slowly and steadily to the rest of your audience. So in that case, it's a feature release toggle or a feature release flag that you could accomplish with dynamic configuration. Similarly, like feature release flags, there are also operational flags for DevOps engineers or operations engineers. Some of the use cases where we mostly see operations flag being used is uh, while responding to operations event. So imagine a situation where in, um, it's a set situation your application is down and you're trying to react to that and things are tense and you want to deploy change as a configuration change rather than a code deployment, which is definitely time consuming. You also want that change to be validated and you want to make sure that that configuration is kosher and you're deploying the expected value to your application. And in that case, dynamic configuration really comes in handy because those changes are deployed in real time to the application. So from a business standpoint, you're able to move much more quickly. You can be it onboarding new customers, be it trying new things, be it um, doing a graceful recovery from something that went bump in the night. With, with this modality, none of these things need a full system deploy. It's literally a dynamic configuration change. Correct. And as a product manager, a lot of the times our engineers work really hard on deploying a particular feature, but then that gets deployed early on. And on the day of the launch or when we're ready to release a marketing announcement, we could do so with a feature flag and it's available to our customers in real time uh, and makes our job a lot more easier. I think that timing thing is important because there's, there's often this sort of schism or, or lack of understanding between marketing folks and software folks, which is the marketing folks want the, the big bang launch, the, you know, it's not available, but then it's fully available type experience, which, which I get from a market impact perspective. But from a software developer perspective, that's a nightmare. <laughs> it's like, you know, do you understand how many bits of things have to work to make this happen versus it's in production, it's running, it's scaled up, I'm confident, and I flick the switch. So it, it, it probably makes it more harmonious between those groups. Yep, exactly. And once it's launched, you can always collect customer feedback and you can iterate on that and mm. release it to another group of audience or another audience and test more features like that. Nice. So, Brian, it, it sounds like nothing could possibly go wrong with using this and we should all rush to use it. Oh, no, of course not. It's, <laughs> uh, it's perfectly safe. It's, it's another situation, uh, kind of like I said at the beginning, superhero quote, with great power comes great responsibility. The more dynamic the configuration, the faster that you can cause issues for application. At AWS, 
for good reason, we're very obsessed with the concept of uh, blast radius and fault containers. So we want problems with your application to be isolated to the smallest area possible. Theoretically, it should affect, you know, if you, if one customer has a problem with your application, it should affect just that one person and no one else. And with dynamic configuration, unfortunately, uh, with kind of the current state of the landscape, there's a lot of different ways that you can cause issues to your application. For instance, who here hasn't seen a big outage due to a DNS configuration issue? So why is DNS? Yeah. <laughs> that's a, uh, yeah, uh, I, f- I feel really bad, but that's a very big joke internally. My heart goes out to anyone who has to deal with that sort of issue. But Issues can occur due to just about anything configuration. You can make a very tiny typo, and if you're deploying that configuration instantly, it can take down your entire application. You could accidentally make your feature toggle available to all of your customers rather than just the few that you wanted to, and then you could accidentally expose something publicly that you didn't mean to. Or your throttling config could accidentally allow customers to use up too many resources on your application, and then suddenly your application could be flooded with requests and start going down. And I think it's interesting though, because like you sort of talk about like the things that can go wrong. It's like, oh my goodness, I should not allow anyone to ever do this. But really, the the mental model is that at some point mistakes are going to be made in some way, and and the, the sort of the, the, the actual trick here is to make it super easy to recover from a mistake rather than trying to prevent every single mistake. So, you know, if I, if I mistype the feature config, for example, I can within seconds fix it <laughs> rather than say, well, I've, I've done a change. It took me, you know, three hours to roll out the change. Now I've made one typo. Here's another three hours. You know, it's, it's, it's that ability to fix it quickly changes your mental model, doesn't it? Yeah, and that is definitely one component of it, but I'll do you one better than that. Sure. The What's better than being able to fix a problem fast after it's occurred, which you also should be able to do, is to be able to catch that problem before it actually gets deployed to production. So, mm-hmm. for instance, me as a human, I make mistakes. Um, if I'm attempting to type some sort of string into my configuration, I, if I do that 100 times, I might do it right 99 times, but the 100th time, I'll make a mistake. It's It would be great if the system could catch that mistake before it ever actually got deployed. And maybe, like I was saying with fault containers and limitation of blast radius early, it'd be great that even if somehow the system didn't catch that mistake, the system was smart enough to only display that mistake to a small percentage of users. So by the time it got rolled back quickly, rather than affecting everyone who used my application, it affected just a very tiny percentage of people. Big, big, big fan of uh, of gradual rollout, and in fact, that brings us to a, I think a really interesting thing that uh, that our CTO Werner Vogels released recently, which was a blog post about this whole concept of continuous configuration. And you know, I, th- I think this is not just a discussion about well, you could do this. It's like this is what we do <laughs> within Amazon. Thousands of teams do this. Um, perhaps one of you'd like to dive a bit deeper on on you know really what we do internally. Yeah, I'll I'll take that. This is Steve. So. We've been using this process of dynamic configuration and, and kind of evolving it into continuous configuration for many years at Amazon. You know, again, as Brian said, uh, kind of availability is key and limiting blast radius is is super important. So uh, we almost never, ever, ever roll out any change without thought 
to how we can limit this to a very small audience. So we have some mechanisms inside the company to, first of all, separate the uh, configuration from code. As we said, we've been doing that for a while, then deploying it separately through kind of a different pipeline, and then adding in safety controls uh, on top of that. And these safety controls, the primary ones are around validation of the configuration. So as Brian was saying, you know, you could put a validation in there that just says, make sure that, you know, this string has, if it's a URL, for example, that it has, uh, it's properly formatted. You might have something where you're looking for um, to exclude certain values, make sure this never goes above 10, if it's some throttling limit, or you might want to just make sure that it you know, is sent out correctly in the correct format so that it's, you know, truly a Boolean. You know, we've seen through experience uh, and through our kind of COE corrections of errors processes that, you know, it's important to put in all of these sort of validation boundaries around the configuration because often when you're changing that configuration, tempers are high, you know, your, your heart's beating hard, you're, you're trying to address something or you're trying to launch something, it's very exciting. And that's, again, when a human being is probably going to make, make a mistake. So, you know, again, it, almost every team inside of Amazon has some sort of dynamic configuration component and some safety controls and, and that think, they have in place. And I think, Steve, that's really important is that, you know, we, we talk about, you know, humans are humans and we, we experience emotion and, and those types of things as much as we, uh, you know, IT like to think we're some sort of highly functional robots in some ways. But, <laughs> um, but, but I think the reality is, is it's, it's never a human's problem. It's the system's problem. You know, this is the <laughs> whole point of, of blameless postmortems, et cetera. It's like, you know, if, if I, as a uh, software engineer deploy something incorrectly, it's not actually my fault. I shouldn't have been able to do that because the system allowed me to do it. So, so I think, those, those, as you said, those guardrails become super important to overcome the, the natural foibles of being a human. Absolutely. Absolutely. That reminds me of something. I just heard my dog barking here. And, uh, you know, when if you ever get a dog, a pet dog, they do train you right away that if the dog is chewing on a shoe, it's the human's fault that the, uh, the shoe was left out. Correct. And and I, I know you just said it's not the human's problem, but it's it's the environment. You need to create this environment where the dog is not able to get a shoe to chew on. And so that's that's exactly the same philosophy that we have. So so given that we identify this as a, a challenge, it was a challenge for our own teams, and clearly our customers have been telling us it's a challenge. Um, we have AWS App Config now. How does that fit into sort of the this world that we're talking about, and how does it work? Yeah. Yeah, AppConfig is a service that we launched uh, probably a year and a half ago, but but we've been using it internally for many many years. And as I said, you know there are thousands of teams internally at Amazon using it, and it's a it's a tool for deploying configuration. Um, it allows you first to set up some configuration. It also has options where you can set it up inside of AppConfig. You can use S3, you can use Parameter Store. And so you, you set up your application configuration. We have options before it gets deployed of validating it. So you can validate it through a simple kind of syntax check, but we can also have more complex validations. I'll give you an example of that. Um, let's say you're updating the values of a database, meaning the, where the database is located. So the URLs and maybe a, a secret and, and some login credential information. Before you push out that new information about this new database, you probably want to validate that you can actually reach the database. So you can write kind of a functional validation that reaches out and confirms that the database is available before you push out these changes. So we have the validation side. And then, you know, we keep talking about limiting blast radius. 
we have options for deploying that configuration. Our recommendation is always deploy slowly, gradually. You're going to be happier doing that. <laughs> and so you can choose to do that over the course of minutes or hours or days. And, you know, as you're deploying slowly, of course, you're measuring all along the way and saying, okay, does the system that, look stable? Yeah, on that slow deployment, there's this sort of concept of bake time. You know, it's, it's not mm -hmm. like I deployed it, wait for five minutes, deploy the next thing. It's like you kind of need to let it settle and see, you know, the edge cases, the things that, you know, as, as load increases or different customers sort of hit your service, what it looks like. So it, it can, it's it's like you can deploy quickly, but you kind of want to have a set process for how long you bake something as you're deploying. 100%, 100%. Yeah, we work with a lot of different customers and, and they'll have different cultures internally about rolling things out. But yeah, longer bake times are kind of recommended as a best practice. And as you said, it, it can be sitting out there, but you want to have this monitoring time. And so inside of AppConfig, you can set a bake time. Literally, we call it bake time. And uh, during that time, if there is a problem that's detected, and an alarm is triggered uh, through CloudWatch, for example, then we'll automatically roll back the configuration to the previous version. You know, don't ask any questions, roll back quickly. Um, let's return it to the state that it was at before. So that'll allow minimum impact to the customers. And so there's, there's lots of sort of getting started guides and, and videos and other types of things, because this is a, a new, well, for many people, this is a new concept. So I guess we're trying to make it easy for people to both understand the concept and then the tooling that's available to them. Would you say that's the sort of the, the, the mindset there, Steve? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, again, I think the shorthand for, for what this is, is, is the term feature flags. And, and again, I'm talking to customers, I feel like, um, you know, about 50% of them are familiar with that term. So if that's a new term, I highly recommend checking out some of the documentation we have. We have, we have an explainer video. Werner Vogel's blog post is a great starting point too, to sort of understand the big picture of why it's important to use configuration you know, at the level that you use CICD. And, uh, and we have a lot of documentation and ways to get started. Exactly. And uh, so thanks, Steve, for, for sharing that with us. And, and Brian, from your perspective, from a, a development standpoint, how should a developer think about this? How do they, how do they fit it into their, their workflow? Oh, that's a good question. I, I think I would call it another tool in your arsenal. So if you're a developer and you're looking at this and any of these things have resonated with you and you say, oh, I, you know, I am actually storing a feature flag configuration in my code right now, or I am storing a configuration that controls uh, how many threads I'm using to do some tasks in the background, then you should ask yourself, does this qualify as something that I'd like to be dynamic configuration? The answer is most likely yes. There are some things where it's perfectly fine for them to be static, but the answer is probably yes, that you want it to be dynamic. And so if you want it to be dynamic, then you should want it to be safe too. And app config, uh, obviously I'm very biased, but app config is a great tool for making that happen. Uh, no, nothing like developers building tools to make developers' life easier because they tend to get built that way. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing your perspectives here. And and Vinny, to you, you know, you, you sort of touched on some of the use cases and, and that, that coordination. This sounds like a topic that goes beyond just IT. It's a topic to talk about with business stakeholders to help them understand the world they can have and the way they can see deployment of functionality for their applications. Yep. So as a product manager, definitely, I love the fact that uh, we can release uh, features more smoothly for our customers. And we've taken care of all the deployments ahead in advance. And uh, on the day of release, like 
I'm more carefree and I can release and launch products more smoothly. And I've heard the same from a lot of other product managers as well, that this tool is super, super helpful for them. And this practice is something definitely that they have imbibed in their developer workflow and their release workflow. Nice stuff. And thanks, Vinny, for joining us too. Thanks to the three of you for joining us today. Thanks, Simon. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. Good stuff. And we do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.